Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to The Gangster, book six in the Galactic Football League series. Written and performed by Scott Sigler, The Gangster is suitable for ages 12 and up and contains graphic violence. The Gangster is also available as a signed, numbered, limited edition hardcover while supplies last. To order, go to scottsigler.com slash store. Hey, everybody. This is the first Q&A episode for the podcast for The Gangster. What's it? Ooh, at yeah. Thank you guys so much for joining us. If you are joining us live at Facebook.com or Twitch.tv or YouTube.com, go ahead and ask us in the uh, chat. Uh, questions in the chat. Mm -hmm, If mm -hmm. you are hearing this after the fact and you want to send in questions and it is either Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday, the, what's today? The 8th, 9th, 11th, 12th, or 13th of September, you can go ahead and do that. If not, you'll just have to send them in and we'll ask, we'll answer them on our live. Yes. And the questions you have to ask in the chat room, uh, we'll try and get to those, but we have an enormous amount of questions already. So your question has probably already been answered. And Joshua, the answer to that question is S-H-A-M-B-L-A-Z-I-N-G. Shamblazing. So, so I will go. tell you guys also right now, every Sigler verse Q&A, every single one is a 100% spoiler zone. So yeah. Oh, yeah. any of these questions could spoil any of the Scott Sigler books. Spoil your face, spoil your diet, spoil your relationship, and your mama will slap you <laughs> if your mama's still around. If your yeah. mama's not still around, go mama slap. Like, my mama write can't slap me this week, but she'll probably get back to that pretty soon if I screw up. Yeah, okay. I think so. No, I think so. Nobody wants a go slap for mama because that's just nobody wants. There's nothing that. you can do. I will also tell you guys this: if you haven't finished or started the gangster, and I absolutely have never said this before on a Q and A, but I am saying it now: if you haven't finished <sighs> the gangster, please wait on this. You'll get spoiled mm. in the biggest way. And it's yeah. so fun not to get Turn spoiled. Turn it off and come so back. If you have and you don't, I don't mind being spoiled, but if you mind being spoiled, this is going to spoil. There are questions about the end uh, of the gangster. So that will spoil you. So that is your spoiler. Warning. I think I got an interesting quick question out of Tracy Shank. Would Darth Maul be a good stone wolf? Mm. Uh, let's talk about that briefly. I think being a good killing machine. Yes. The power of the force. Helpful. Super. Well, you drop a paperclip on a mission, who's going to pick it up? Darth Maul. Just picks it right up. Nobody's got to bend over. Nobody throws out a lower lumbar. Although he does need a lot of room in his bunk yeah. for accoutrement. Yeah, a lot of makeup so, going on, you know? A lot of that going yeah. on, so I'm not really sure about that. Yeah, part. I don't know. I don't know. That's the biggest drawback is, you know, his... Oops, got to go back to Maine. Is, is the makeup thing always going to be going on, or can he wipe that off and go incognito? Well, and wait a minute. Do we know that it's makeup? It's makeup. It's got to be makeup. No, 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 no. I mean, obviously, it's makeup in our world. But, but you're, saying, world? you're saying it could be face tats. Yeah. Hmm. Or... He's like the Tim Comerford of faces in I mean, the force. I mean, technically speaking... That's a deep if, cut for you Rage Against Machine fans. Thank you very much. And technically speaking, if Darth 
mole was red man, I would totally understand that. Yep, there you go. I really would. That's a spoiler, by the way, for his short story, Red Man. Uh, Radimus has face tattoo. All right. So, we so we'll go gonna... with, yes, he'd make an excellent stone wolf. And uh, they will be recruiting soon because there are some positions available. Let's just say that. Let's go to the first question, baby. Okay, so uh, Max Spinner. This is just going to be a whole bunch of questions, you guys. So let us know. Uh, Max Spinner asks... What are Librand and Patrick doing right now, if you had to guess? This okay. is a spoiler for First Fitzroy. of all, no, uh, you guys, I think you may see our lighting looks a lot better. And we didn't change the lighting. We got a new app for that. And uh, it's called, in case anybody's curious, I already closed it. I'll look it up later. But I'm pleased. It oh, looks yeah. great. It looks you great. You look great, too. I look like a walking cadaver, but no, now with now, now with a mustache and a beard. Yeah. A no, bearded beard. walking cadaver. It's a lovely mustache. Uh, lovely beard. Let's see. What was the question again? What are what are um, th- interesting? The first question is not a gangster or a GFL related question. I know. I know. What I are they do doing right now? I can't tell you because hopefully I live long enough to be able to show you what they are doing right now. So the answer to your question is can't tell you. Spoilers, but probably drinking and screwing. That'd be. I'm pretty sure. I figured it those would be two. Like that. Those they have been through a whole lot. They, a whole lot, you guys. They go to physical therapy three times a day to try and fix up all their injuries. And then they're like, let's just take a bunch of Vicodin, get some scotch, and knock one out. Then they go to sleep by like 930 because, you know, that's what they do. It's a good life. Yeah. It's a good life. Uh, okie doke. Let's see. So we've got a handful of short ones, and then we have a handful of junkies who really did a deep dive. I've got a handful a of a short one. Does that count? That we're not. Oh, sorry. Um... <laughs> So we're going to ask a few of those. Mark Willoughby says, is tentacles, tentacles, and more tentacles your first story? And if not, what is the earliest memory of a story you wrote? Not counting BSing my parents all the time, constantly. I believe tentacles, tentacles, and more tentacles was possibly the first story. The monster under the porch, that came a little later. That was more advanced. And somewhere in my notebooks, I have a picture of that I drew of a 55-gallon oil drum of radioactive waste with a mouth and a tongue, no eyes, and big giant feet. And there was a story about that. I can't tell you if that came before or after Tentacles, Tentacles, More Tentacles. So we're going we're gonna to go ahead and say... TGAMT was my first official story. <laughs> okay, so because you brought up uh, this sort of uh, folds into that, Jason Lombardo asked, in the GFL timeline, which book should be read first, The Gangster or The Stone Wolves? Okay, we can, this is a very good question. This is the kind of stuff we're looking at. Yeah, Peanut, before, before you a- answer, I will say The Stone Wolves is not quite yet out, but we're working on it. So obviously, if if you've read The Gangster, you've already answered that question. (laughs) But timeline-wise, A and uh, Big John Viscar, Continuity Czar, and I were going over that today. And originally, my vacillation about that was wanting to give you guys, the long-term fans, the biggest possible treat. And we went over and over and over it because there are such huge reveals in The Gangster, if you read that first, that are completely unexpected. That it's great, uh, but then there are some things that are talked about that sort of dull the edge of what you would discover if you read the Stone Wolves first. So uh, that's that's and it was we flip flopped on it a number of times trying to figure out what made the most sense for you guys. But since they came out when they came out, uh, very soon they will both be out. 
And I believe the best way to experience the GFL is the order of books maintained by Big John Vizcarra, which is over on Siglerpedia. Mm-hmm. And that that would necessitate, it, when you get to that phase of the GFL, you go the champion, Stone Wolves, the gangster, and then uh, it'll be GFL book seven. So, mm-hmm. it, the it, as it, yet unnamed. GFL as yet, as yet unnamed. It, it, it does steal the thunder from the gangster a little bit, but I think when you guys get to consume the Stone Wolves, you will you will probably think that the Stone Wolves ending is pretty fucking spectacular. I mean, I have I've had a not to brag. Not to, oh sorry ego swelling okay not to brag <laughs> one of my one of my signatures to my style of writing is big time cinematic over the top endings and the Stone Wolves blows them all out of the water the only person in this room other than us who knows the ending is Steve the Iceberg Ricky Berg is Big John in the house uh, I, I think Big John is in the house but uh, Big John the Iceberg, Iceberg just said the Steve it's Stone the Steve Wolves I just called it the Steve Wolves the <laughs> ending the of it is, is salt on the elbow. Yeah. Chef's kiss. I have outdone myself. You guys are going to effing love it. So, Morgan, it's so go. good to see you. All right. Shane, it's so good to see you. And Ginny, it's so good to see you. We are not doing our normal show. This is a Q&A <laughs> show. If you guys haven't, if you're just joining, this is a Q&A show that will be podcast this coming Sunday for The Gangster. It is actually a spoiler for every single thing in the Siglerverse. So be forewarned. We're going to do warned. our best to give you be information warned. about that. All right. Uh, okie dokie. Sean Dyer Thank you so much, Sean. Emailed in a question that said, about how many books do you currently have on the back burner as oh my God. only outlines? I love this question so much. Look at him. <laughs> when you're a young adult, you stress about many things. Example, will I find true love? Will I find a hookup on Dollar Beer Night on Tuesday? Will Almost I will yes. I pass this class? Is the teacher going to rat me out for the weed I left in the gym locker? There's a lot of questions that bring a lot of stress to your life. Then you move on to uh, er, you know early 20s. Mm-hmm. Will I be able to keep this job? I just accidentally deleted all of the company's files. Am I on the I unemployment line? <laughs> These are the stressing stressing points. And eventually you go on, uh, and then you have reasons for stress. My stress now, I get so stressed. I get winded playing chess. It's just uh, all of the books that I have lined up that I already know I will not get to if I live to be a hundred and don't come up with any new ideas is a lot of ideas. So how many do I have outlined right now? I mean, don't open the, the, uh, I'll bring the, you up a little bit. So you don't have to be so close. Yeah. Thank keep, you. Keep going. Uh, don't open the, um, whatever that is, that database. I can't remember what it's called now since it's Sigler not story day. ideas. No, no. What's Ninix. Ninix. We use a database called Ninix. Uh, we used to put all these. Uh, this is how how far back we. Um, two things. There are two anniversaries this week. I'll say really quickly. One, Mr. Sigler. Yeah, anniversary. What's up? You and I met thirteen years ago this week. Fabulous. Ninix. Yeah. <laughs> and two, I think it's uh, Iceberg. Tell me, is it ten years this week uh, that Iceberg started to work with Scott? Um, here, you want this? Yeah. Um, yep, yep, yep. And, uh, and, sorry, you guys. Uh, here, just give it to me. Um. <laughs> we are not eating on camera this week. But uh, we are but bumble we fucking are with bumble, the drinks. Bumbling around with drinks. <laughs> 
So also, Hello, I think it was it was a Dragon Con in 2012 that um, nine years ago for for Steve. Yeah, Steve. I think it was on Sunday. It was at Dragon Con. I know it was in the Hilton lobby. He said, "I I, had, I was stressing because I had to figure out how to tell Scott." Um, I think because my initials are AB, but I was also abbreviating audiobook AB, and I cleaned up my files before I went to DragonCon, and I think I erased half of them, and they were they were audiobook files, think, not AB files. I think files. we've all done something that drastic. Yeah, one, I deleted one most time, of the files. You fucking corksucker, and do it one time. Absolutely unbeknownst to him, Ricky Berg sees us in the hill like hanging out you know just like normal mm-hmm. and he we're in the hill lobby and he says hey you guys you know i have an engineer like i am an audio engineer i have a, i have education and degree if you guys ever need the help and i am sure he thought i was about to murder him because i went <gasps> help me Help and you. that's how Ricky Berg came to save the GFL. <laughs> I would like to point out that we met Steve Ricky Berg in 2012, the same year a very bad movie by John Cusack came out called 2012. <laughs> so I don't know if that's confusing. I don't know if that's coincidence at all. There was an iceberg in 2012, though. What? 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 What's <laughs> that? Okay, so right. we have more questions. Hey, let's get back to them. We have, let's see, Esme Silva, also a lovely name, Esme, uh, from this moment in your career. What two or three big picture things would you advise new writers to ah, focus on as they start out? I just had a lovely uh, sit down meeting with the keyboardist for the band Super Weapon, Austin Farmer, who is also a writer. So he, a lot of the stuff's fresh in my head. Uh, one of his big questions was, how much effort do I put into promoting my first book? Do I do a countdown? Do I do? And, and the answer is, don't do jack shit. Don't do anything. You write the book. You put the book in the store only after a book for your first three books, at least probably your first five. If you're doing an indie thing, don't lift a finger to promote until the book is in the store and people can give you their money for that book. Trust me on this. Everything you do to try and hype up that first book release, nobody gives a rat's ass who you are. You haven't proven yourself. None of it matters. It's all a waste of your time that you could be spending editing, writing, you know, hiring a cover artist, hiring an editor, making that as good as it can be, and then learning how to market it once it's online. So that's the biggest one is just take take the marketing thing and take it off your plate. Off your plate, put it over on the side. Don't worry about that at all. Worry about writing books, putting books out. Once you have, and this is what A and I have learned, once you've got five books in the store, when people first find you, everything changes. Because if they Absolutely. go to your they go to your page and you have one book, they're like, Ah, one book. Yeah, how good? How good can she be? She's got mm-hmm. one book, mm-hmm. and they don't think this, but that's a sub subliminal thing. And I also think they may have like picked up that book in mm-hmm. a if you liked this, you'll like this. So they didn't look you up. Okay. And then when they look you up, they're like one book. Yeah. That life, might also happen. Life is short. Money costs money. I coined that phrase, Maria. Money costs money, and people are going to bu- try and buy a proven commodity. So the faster you get to five books on Amazon the more likely people are to have that other subliminal thought, which is like, ooh, five books, she must be awesome, and then give you a shot. So those are the two big things. And I would say the third biggest one is, you guys, let's talk about masturbation just for a moment. I, just well, for a who, moment. I believe, a family show. I believe we've all had a, a parent, a aunt and uncle, a, you know, a, an adult figure who at one point in our teens 
drop the line. If you play with it too much, it's going to fall off. In the chat room, if you've ever heard, if you're going to play with it too much, it's going to fall off. Go ahead and put some kind of an emoji of a of genitalia. Throw it up there. Let's see what we got. It's the same thing with books. You are, you, there are people who will spend, I've been working on this book for 10 years. Good. You don't, you are not a serious commercial. Commercial. You are not a commercial artist. A bookseller, a commercial artist, an entertainer <laughs> is someone who puts products out. Thanks, Samor. <laughs> Someone who puts products into the marketplace so that people can consume those products and enjoy them. If you're going to spend 10 years on something, you're an artist, and that's awesome. The world needs many, many artists. Have a ball. Do your thing. Be a genius. Win an award. It's all great. What you need to do is write the best book you can in a timely fashion. Put that, get it edited, rewrite, edit, put it up for sale, start a new book, put that up for sale. Those are my big three right there. Okay, you guys, I am so sorry. I have been hysterical nice, laughing, That's and nice, it Sean. is not about that advice. That advice is terrific <laughs> advice. Wow, but Al, right before, well done, Al. <laughs> what started it. Right <laughs> before, Scott, uh, remember, we're doing this live in a chat stream, and right before he told you what the three things he should do, he asked people to talk about whether or not. Put in an emoji about masturbation, and yeah. it's a little crazy. <laughs> There's a lot of good emojis going on so right now. So all of my laughter had nothing to do with his advice. All of his advice is really, really good. I will add one more thing. I'll add, as, I'll add when you're done, I'll add one for Marlo. Okay. As a creative adjacent, a person who might be able to help you get your books out there and seen and wide, often what happens to the... Uh, writer is that they've spent all this time by themselves writing the book and now they're like, cool, I got to get it out there. I got to get it out there. I got to get it out there. But the reality is any dollar that you choose to spend on hiring an editor that does not know you personally Mm -hmm. is a 10 time return on investment than that dollar being spent for marketing for your brand new property. Get somebody who doesn't love you to look at your book and tell you what's wrong with it. Right. That is the only way it works. Uh, two things. Number one, uh, Stephen Travis is apparently into, you know, uh, electrical clamps <laughs> on the nipples. Solid choice. Oh, Solid choice. Oh. Marlo, Marlo says she has a few partly written books and a few short stories. Uh, the other thing, the, the fourth part of my advice is finish a goddamn book. Do whatever you have to do. Finish the book. You have to finish it before you sell it. Anybody can just start writing books all over the place, finish, sell. It will never be perfect. It will never be as good as you want it to be. I am pretty sure every writer thinks most of their books suck donkey balls. They, 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 they we're just, you're never really happy with it. It could always be better, but you don't, life is short and you got to get that stuff in front of people so you can entertain them. So do what you can, finish a book, move on to the next book, finish a book, for move sure. on to the next book. For That's sure, it. For That's sure, it. For hey, sure. Aaron's in the house. Aaron and Steph is oh, in the house. Aaron what up, Aaron Westside. Okay. Okay. So I'm actually also going about to add into the uh, chat room now um, uh, the link to the episodes of So You Want to Be a Writer well that done, Scott did a handful of years ago that answer some of the super basic questions about yep. you wanting to ask a writer the very basic questions about writing. So that would be a good um uh, good Let's do the next one, and we'll come back if we can come back to. Yeah, actually, come back we're to gonna, Sean's. Do yeah, Sean's right a, now. Yeah, do Sean's right now. It's a okay. great one. Uh, uh, GFL Q and A question: How yep. about how many subject matter experts do you have in the old Rolodex uh, for various subjects? One one second. If you're a millennial, a Rolodex was literally a 
physical uh, file of um, business cards, which you also don't receive what's anymore. A, what's a business card? Exactly. So it was literally a physical thing you had on your desk to look up, oh, this is a scientist, this is a medical person or whatever. Oh, okay, Boomer. Great job. Love it. All right. So um, I would say in the role we right now I have, let's see, uh, oh, just, I, you guys are very happy. I just talked to one of my secret agents who is, uh, two of my secret agents who are Navy vets in different levels of expertise in that area. Um, one is Scott Pond. The other is, uh, can I say, I'm not sure I should say. I don't know it's I up say. to you. You're always I, allowed I, to name your secret agents as yeah, long as they know okay. they're secret agents. Yeah, they, they know. Uh, Joe Root. Oh, Joe Root is, is absolutely okay. a secret agent. Well, yeah. he is, but I, you know, he's very, Joe's very, Joe's very secret. But he knows, Joe's and he knows secret. that. Like J.P. Yeah. Harvey, we're not sure if Joe's actually Iron Man just isn't. No, I am us. sure that Joe is not Iron Man because I am sure J.P. Harvey is. is Iron Man. <laughs> So I've got, uh, you know, those two, of course, Chris Grawl, who I and Joe, and I've been talking to Chris and Joe a bunch in the past few days regarding stuff. I'm starting to mentally workshop for the crypt. J.P. Harvey, who at J.P. Harvey and Pond and Grawl, they, they real side note, side story. They told me at the last Sigler Fest, they were sitting back at the back table when we were doing all the singing, you know, and they're sitting like in the shadowy area. Mm-hmm. And they're they're all like this. They're all like. What if we kidnap Ziggler and we make him write the crypt? It's been 10 years. What do we got to do to get him we to write do the it. crypt? We have skills. Nobody's going to miss him. It's going to be fine. Nobody's going to know. We'll so, take the girl, uh, too. So let's see. There's, there's those four. Then I have, and uh, some of these, uh, unfortunately, with my addled brain, some of them I haven't talked to in a while because we haven't a need for those books, but the uh, New York police, New York, uh, retired New York police officer. Mm-hmm. Firefighter uh, Mike, Mike Cole, yeah, um, oh, the good, author good, author yeah. Mike Cole is was huge in Aliens Phalanx and stuff and a lot of. Uh, and speaking of, do you yeah. want to mention his? Uh, he just published. Oh yeah, he the, just published uh, the Bronze a, Lie. The Bronze Lie, which yeah. is the which is debunking the myth that the Spartans were unstoppable. It's uh, it's, it's legendary horse. It's pucky. amazing. You're wrong, Mike Cole. Nope. You're wrong. Hey, Jamie Anderson. Nice to see you. All right. So I would say, but then there's a bunch of people with specific bodies of knowledge in the scientific field. Dr. Daniel Baker, PhD is one. So I'm going to say, I'll put it right at about 15. There's 15 people that um, I will go through an email and say, hey, I need to know a lot more about a nuclear fusion and yep. I got like 15 minutes. Can you just hurry up and write me off a treatise on that? I do think that's true. I think that there are about 15 routinely accessed um, secret agents. And these are people who know broad stroke, very specific things, but can speak in a broad stroke way about national defense or weapons. Or um, Dr. Joe Albeats in Denver is mm. somebody that uh, Scott goes to for cool. I need somebody... To be cut with some sort of blade and die in four seconds. How do we do that? Yeah. And it's and he does the opposite. So this is a spoiler for Ancestor. There's a scene in Ancestor. Is there a scene in Ancestor where Gian uh, tries to kill herself still? I think there is still. Yes. And she doesn't finish the job. She doesn't. She can't finish the job. But the, the way that happened is Scott wrote a whole scene about what he thought based on his knowledge. And based Scott, on movies. <laughs> well, right. I mean, Scott's a big movie buff, but he's also 
really, he does quite a lot of research, but he kind of looked on, you know, figured out what he could figure out, watched a whole bunch of scenes, wrote a scene, sent it to Dr. Albeats, and Dr. Albeats, who is going to laugh at me that I'm calling him Dr. Albeats, number one, but number two, sent it back like, oh, that is so great and so... So wrong. So wrong. Not possible. And figured out a way to do the thing that Scott wanted to do. So that happens a lot, too. I will also add that they're in the Rolodex itself. There are about 15 secret agents. There are probably about 30 people in the Rolodex with highly, highly, highly specialized. Bad astronomer. Yeah. Yeah. Bad astronomer is a secret agent. There's also like for Fitzroy, there was a very, very specific how sound bounces uh, through rocks underground Mm -hmm. guy. And he's probably not well, going I, to be accessed a whole lot, we, but he's absolutely a guy that that's we, we've got, got a lot to cover. So I'll see if I can rattle off the people, the disciplines I had just from Mount Fitzroy. Um, there was a guy who actually climbed Mount Fitzroy, set the the set the speed climbing record for Mount Fitzroy. He was yep. very helpful. We had the gentleman who was still a PhD candidate, not a PhD yet, who invented a um, a uh, subsonic communication system so he could send sound waves down in there. That's the guy I'm talking about. Yeah, and bo- <laughs> both of these gentlemen who are named in Mount Fitzroy, uh, uh, not named in the book, they're named in the credits, they, you know, I just hit people up out of the blue. And for new people, it's, I have this, I need some general knowledge on this thing. For the veterans, you know, uh, no pun intended, like J.P. Harvey or Chris Grawl or Dr. Albeats, I'm like, I need this to happen how can you make this happen Mm. so that people like you won't think i'm full of shit so they get delivered these puzzle boxes right to their door all the time and i will say just one more thing and we'll move on to other questions because there are many um there are also some folks and he just mentioned them they're folks he goes to all the time for sort of body trauma for weapons for uh machinery things like that like jp harvey like scott pond who he literally like will write a scene as he thinks it might work. And then he'll send it off for them to say like, okay, got to count for this. You can't do that. This doesn't work like that. Things like that. So Mm -hmm. that they're working from something specific and that gets them to their goal closer or sooner. But that's because they've been working together for 10 years, you know? So that kind of works that way. Yeah. We don't, we we no longer have to have the conversation. Like, well, let me explain to you how the military works. Like, uh, don't care. Don't care. I'm writing a thriller. I need this thing to happen here to make the next four things happen. And when they get it, they, I, I, they see it. They all seem to really enjoy it. They really enjoy getting that puzzle. All right. Let's move on. I've yeah. got three rapid fire questions. If you go. think you can do them in a rapid fire way, you want to do that? Uh, I, if you think you can handle it. <laughs> Brandon Pinard asks in rapid fire. First one, does writing energize or exhaust you? Uh, both. Okay, number two, does a big ego help or hurt writers? Immensely, immensely valuable. Don't don't have imposter syndrome. Just assume you are the greatest thing that ever walked the face of the earth, and you'll get through things. And expand this a little bit with one of the first things you ever said to me, which was, nobody joins a beauty contest. Oh, the, you know, and, and I have a lot of friends who are writers who have uh, imposter syndrome. It's pretty common in, in entertainment, very common in the writing industry, but... You often will get people trying to, you know, promote their book, but like, here's the thing I wrote, like literally tweet, like, here's the thing. If you want to see it, that's horseshit. I'm telling you that's horseshit because no one ever entered a beauty contest thinking that they weren't beautiful and no one writes a book, writes a fiction novel 
thinking that they are the worst writer in the history of mankind. Their stuff is terrible. People get into writing because they're like, you know, I want to tell a story and I think I can tell the story pretty good. So just the fact of finishing a novel and submitting it to publishers is a pretty confident move right off the bat. You're farther ahead than most people are. So you are, you're full of swagger. You just don't know it, Karen. You're full of swagger. Uh, Last Brandon Pinard question. Have you ever gotten reader's block? What does that mean? I'm going to assume it means have you ever either not been able to pick up a new book or not been able to finish a book? Oh, my God. Well, I still I still have a lot of trouble with finishing a book because like I paid money for that book. And like and then you just want to see this is so terrible. I just want to see if the writer pulls this out at the end. But I've also as I get older and realize I don't need to give up those eight hours that I know I already know I'm not I'm not entertained. It doesn't mean the book is bad. That doesn't mean the book is good. I am no longer entertained. This has become a chore. Put it down. Move on to the next one. So Now, I, when that I, happens, when you're a writer, you work really hard at that. You're like, this is all garbage. I'm redoing it. Like, he does that. I've seen him do that. In mm-hmm. one of the books that we have worked on together, he sent a first draft into a, his editor. The editor sent it back. He read those comments and the book itself and was like, you guys, this is bullshit. And I'm like, there's no you guys. It's just you. And he rewrote it all because it didn't make sense to him. That's as a writer. As a reader, I don't have the ability to keep going when somebody has lost the thread. But he really does. He tries really hard. Uh, Let's see. Um, We'll ask a few more short questions and then the big in-depth questions. So spoilers are coming. Okay. Um, Let's see. Uh, Glenn Banks asks, how do you balance work slash life slash family slash shores? And I don't know what shores means. Now that we are not just working from home, but spending all our time at home. I, it's always been a problem for me. It's been, it's a problem in this relationship. It's been a problem. In my past relationships is that, um, you know, it, it'd be nice to put a shine on this and say part of what makes me the writer that I am is, is going down these, these obsessive rabbit holes but there's also, I'm very distractible. I'm very ADHD. That's the right term, right? Say ADHD. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very ADHD. And I can, you know, I can look, I can glance off to the side, see a thing. And before I know it, 20 minutes have gone by because I'm focusing on like, smart. why are the bell jars called bell jars? And how much fluid would that actually hold? I'm going to measure it. to do with a bell? It'll only take me two minutes to measure this. Then I'll get right back to the writing and a half an hour will go by. So that is a perpetual problem. The other what combines with that is I'm, I'm the person everybody wants to take to the prom because I don't know how to say no. So I, here's a project, here's a project, here's a project, and I'll do all these projects, and I go, I go all out at everything I'm doing all the time. My hobby is a band, and I spend a lot of time banging away on that band because I just, it, my idea of fun is to keep trying to make things the best they can be all the time. And what happens is when you've got seven projects going on at once and your home life can definitely take a hit. And uh, we've we've had conversations where we're like, we've spent we've basically spent two hours together this week. I'm like, you're full. You're so full of shit. And they look at like we spent two hours together this week. So it it, it, the 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 OCD, ADHD part of things, uh, I have to be very careful of it because it can run away with me super easy. And I'll say also, uh, Scott mentioned specifically, he's like, oh, you know, it's kind of a blessing and a curse. So you have to watch out for my brain. And I posit that Scott's creativity is Scott's creativity. And 
the way we get the books that we love as junkies is that his brain works the way it works with everything else. Now that is me speaking as a junkie. I will be honest and say it's sometimes difficult. I'm trying really hard. Scott is very open about his ADHD diagnosis, very open about the demons that come with that and working through that. And I will say, if you guys have a writer in your life, a creator in your life, uh, uh, someone with ADHD or neurodivergence in your life, one of the things that you can do, and I'm still learning and I'm not great at it, um, is understand that just because you think that way, they may not, that might not be a thing they see going in. And if you insist that they work your way, you might lose all of this. And you I might am lose unwilling. a shiny bald cadaver. And I am unwilling to lose the creativity that Scott's mind gives him. At the same time, honestly speaking, sometimes I. I don't understand that that is, it's not a spectrum, it's a Mobius strip. It's quite literally, we got to do this all the time to make it work. And I forget that sometimes. And I blame him for shit that, for things, sorry, things that (laughs) that don't happen in his brain that happen in my brain, which is unfair. And that's everybody who's neurodivergent. So I would I would stress if you're a writer who's trying to make peace at home, if you're a person who loves a writer mm. or an artist or musician Musicians, or whatever, a lot of any creative, like yeah. any neurodivergent yeah. person, we we've gotten a lot better since I realized like, oh, Jesus, I'm asking him to be me. And you know what I can't do? Any of this. <laughs> I can't write a thing I yeah. like I can't. So I don't want that. And yet sometimes I ask for that. So I would say this. Uh, one of the things about that is a balance, and it's kludgy, but in my experience, it's always worth it. Yeah, you know, we I think we should probably do like a whole episode uh, on of Sigrun Place <laughs> uh, on this because there's so much that goes yeah, into it. And a lot of times, like, we'll say this quick, we'll move on. The, the solutions I have for like, oh, I've gotten too distracted of too many projects. I now need to go in and map everything, evaluate everything, calendar everything, and kind of rebalance everything. So when you get the love of your life going, we haven't spent time with you. like, let me get out the calendar. Let's go to work. And she's like, it does, it, it can feel so impersonal to have someone like, I'm going to calendar this. But like, you know, that's the way, that's the way a, a certain brains can work. So there you and go. And he said a very interesting thing, thing there. He said... Uh, and a different brain might see that as like, oh my good, I just, uh. yeah. But what happens a lot for both of us is he's like, oh yeah, that's um, that's not going to work for me, and I don't get it, and vice versa. But the reality is, the more you can remember that different brains work differently, and every brain is good. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe not Jeffrey. Hitler's Donner, brain was shitty. We can all right. agree on that. There are there are that. people who are broken from society. But mm-hmm. other than those people who are sociopathic, every brain is a good brain. I'll give you guys an example. I just wrote a book in my head just now <laughs> from what A just said, and I think it would be fucking awesome. Like, that's that's part of the, the, the blessing and the curse of the whole thing is I'm like, okay, wait a minute. What if we took a bunch of people who are really damaged by society and we sort of, like, connected their brains together <laughs> into a net brain and wrote some programming so that, you know, this part works and this part doesn't, and then shit goes horribly wrong. Yeah. I'm like, that'd be super fun. But, okay, yeah. let's go. But the other part of that is every <laughs> right, neurotypical, in every uh, neurodivergent person in your life, almost assuredly, because there are very few sociopaths. 
every neurodivergent adds joy and beauty and grace to your life. And you just have to, you just have to be willing to hear it. And I work really hard and sometimes screw it up a whole lot to do that. Anyway, All right, next question. On. Here we go. <clears throat> moving on. Haley Dubois asks, mm-hmm. I love this question. What behind the scenes tidbit in your life would probably surprise your readers the most? First of all, uh, the name Haley Dubois, that is a fantastic name. I, I like mean, that a lot. Right? What, what, what off the, what, uh, re, re, read it again, baby. I'm going to get this right. What behind the scenes tidbit of your life would probably surprise your readers the most? Gosh, that's a really good one. Um, I also have an answer, but I want to hear yours first. What? I, I, I've always been so communicative with y'all about the stuff that's going on. And those of you who are the old school fans of like, since I was not published and, and racking up to do this. So what would surprise you guys the most? Uh, probably how frustrated I get trying to sing in uh, singing lessons. I get super, I get Actually, super mad that's at myself. Not a bad one. I guess that's the best one. So go ahead. I would say the thing that is for me, the thing that I think that might surprise you. And if you have one of me, you're welcome to say it. Um, that might surprise readers of Scott's books um, if they don't know him personally. And you guys probably know him personally if you're here. But I think that answer is something sort of like this. Scott hates human suffering in every aspect. He hates people who lost their dog. He hates people who lost their leg. I don't hate the people. I'm no, sorry. He hates, he hates that people lost their dog. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. It's that one. He hates people who like got, he hates that people get into a car accident, just trying to do a nice thing and they lose their leg or something like any amount of human, true human suffering that is, uh, random is impi- also dog suffering, but that's all I can't of us. Dog suffering. <laughs> like all of us. He's like, Oh, just, ugh. It's hard for him to accept that good things happen to bad or bad things happen to good people. Mm-hmm. And that I think would surprise with the amount with the stuff of I write. Yeah, for with, sure. with Kayla Myers, yeah. you know, you yeah, might yeah, yeah. think like, Ooh. but that's actually very difficult for you to deal with. I think and I per- since I, I told tales out of school, if you have a thing you'd like to say about me, I got, you can. I got, uh, <laughs> I can't think of anything. You're perfect. What are you going to do? Oh, come on. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, little, 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 In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, let's go into a few really deep dives. All right, let's do it. Super fun. Um, Kurt asks, as a quiff, does Tarot the Smasher, spoiler for the GFL, uh, does Tarot the Smasher suspect white, what might actually have happened in the end of the gangster? Huge spoiler for the gangster. Yes. Uh, but would not speak it aloud due to quiff cultural taboos. That That's a very good point. And um, Tarot the Smasher is one of my favorite characters in the series now. Because Tarot the Smasher, of course, was an all-pro linebacker. And I don't think he ever won the big one, but he was was a banger and a dangerous, dangerous person. And now that he's aged out of that role and is retired, he applies all of the intensity that he applied to his on-field acumen and becoming the best player he can to becoming an actual, genuine journalist. He is... He comes off as a very comedic character in the op- in the first, you know, um, Galaxy's Greatest Sports Shows in the first few novels. But hopefully that's one of the many layers of subtext in the series as you start to see... You start to see Terry the Smasher start to elevate his skill and start to get more and more scoops. And also, frankly, he is the journalist that we all wish we had in America and all over the world. Every single time. He gets like, the story. That is not the truth. He tells it how it is. He doesn't give a damn. He doesn't care he doesn't about your political aspects. He's like, this, this is the truth and I will report the truth. And it's so he has become um, just he's one of my favorite characters. So. I forgot the question, but uh, that's the, that's my answer. Pretty sure. You did did would Tarot the Smasher know oh, what oh, was oh. happening? Yeah, I he's 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 caught he sniffed that in the air, and we will see in future books if he chooses to pursue that or if he follows his cultural taboos, which those of you who read the Gangster are pretty pretty severe. And like I will those I will say I'll give you an advanced spoiler. The the quith taboo against laying eyes on a female of the species, that is not something they overcome. That is not something people will just forgive Quentin for. It's a full stop, man. You lay eyes on a female, you're you're dead or they're they're dead, one of the two. And you feel like you have betrayed your species, I think. That there is yeah. a a genetic compulsion to eliminate anyone outside of the species. So it's a very speciesist element. It's a very culturally specific element. And that's one of the things I play with along with like scornal cannibalism and quith workers never being able to, you know, have any rank whatsoever. It's one of the things I play with of we try and be accepting of, of all cultures across the earth, but there are some cultural elements in some cultures that are diametrically opposed to other cultural elements. And when that happens, who gets who gets to win? Who gets to be like, this is the correct way to do a thing, the correct way to treat people. So I try and play with that a lot in the GFL series of setting up these diametrically opposed cultural views where each person thinks the other person is not just wrong, but evil. Yeah, I think the other the other person is evil. And then seeing where that goes with the story. Uh, Nicholas Burke asked a whole oh, wait, bunch Kim, of questions. Kim asked why. It's, it's explained it's explained throughout multiple books in the GFL. So a lot of the uh, species biology in football and a lot of the species biology breakdowns, which I am sure a lot of you may have skipped 
like the very dry textbook stuff that happens between chapters, you may be like, ah, it's okay. I don't even know. I want to get back to that. I want to get back to Quentin. It's all threaded out through there. Everything is explained. Unlike Lost, when they say questions will be answered, everything is explained. Good. And I would, and this is a perfect moment. I'm not trying to get you to buy more stuff, but this is a perfect moment that if you have purchased every hardcover but haven't downloaded the ebooks related to those hardcovers, you might want to have those, even if you hate ebooks, because that becomes an encyclopedia. You can download them all to whichever hey, your e reader app is, and then you can go use the search function and be like, hey, Quith Concordia or whatever and learn a little bit if you need to. Yep. And that will pull up all the things in the books, I think. I think eventually <laughs> we will we will take all the textbooky stuff and all the color inserts and eventually put those into one kind of reference tome for people to go through. So, well, we're, we're not there yet. We've got a lot of stuff to do. Hello, Jen Sherwood. Next question. Okay, so this is Nicholas Burke. He asked, there are several folks who emailed a whole bunch of questions. I'm going to flip around between them, but these are all very, very inside Sigliverse. So you've been warned. Uh, Nicholas Burke asks, in GFL slash Generations trilogy, so mm-hmm. spoilers for both, The galactic timeline references the givers and the collectors without a lot of detail. Mm -hmm. Is there any link between the givers, the collectors, and the grub species? I'm not allowed to answer that question this time, Senator. It seems like the signal from the grubs gives details on travel technology similar to the givers providing faster-than-light technology. Hmm. It also seems like the forced hmm. symbiosis of the grub has some similarity to the collectors subjugating the This key. motherfucker paying attention to these books. And perhaps attention. starting a certain pandemic on Earth. Oh, my. Uh, I cannot Senator. answer this. Sen- uh, Senator, it depends on what the definition of is is, and I cannot. <laughs> I cannot. <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> I cannot answer these questions at this time. All righty. Okay, let's see. Godfrey. Oh, but I tell you what, when I finish the GFL series, you will have a, you will have a book boner that looks like many of the emojis we saw earlier. <laughs> Godfrey Lee, also spoilerific. Um, if Quentin had a regular wedding, if he'd been able to have a regular wedding, do you think that trench warfare would have performed had Quentin asked? Uh, getting married at Lambeau Field, how is that not a regular Fuck. wedding? Renting out all of Lambeau Field for a wedding? Seems pretty normal to me. Uh, what do you had trench warfare? Oh, my God. Look, no offense. Are you kidding me? When he actually <laughs> dated what many people consider to be the hottest human woman in the universe, is he going to have her get up on stage and sing to his new bride at her wedding? No. And no one's that dumb. No one is that. No, no heterosexual man as dumb as we can be is that dumb. Almost no one is. He's saying heterosexual male, but I don't think I any of that for, is true. I can't speak, I I can't can't speak for others, but I, I can, can say speak this. for me. I can speak as a bi woman. No. That would be like A had, no. a had dated John Legend for a while and lived at his mansion and stuff. And they, you know, had a big thing going on. And, I and then we get married all. and she's like, can John Legend come and sing in my I mean, wedding? I would love him to sing all of me. It's can, not about me. And can he sing it right to me? I get up on stage. Can he pull off the garter and throw the garter? No. None no. of this is going to happen. Motherfucker can't come to my wedding. No. Send him a card. Can't come. Can't sing. No. You're beautiful. Not yeah. coming. There you go. I do love, love, love that question, though. I'm not going to lie. Uh, Captain Comic uh, says this. <laughs> this is a huge spoiler, you guys. He says, I'm waiting a second because it's a huge. It's a lot of, lot of gravitas. 
I only spotted what Gridoka intended a few minutes before it came up. <clears throat> Nicely done. But Good. I was immediately reminded of the time Greedock gave Quentin a tracking bracelet and Barnes asked, quote, does this mean we're going steady? End quote. <laughs> is this an intentional flashback or just a coincidence? Uh, that is just a coincidence. <laughs> oh, my God. Just, just a, a coincidence. coincidence. But very, very well done. I will now, from now on, I'll lie and say that was intentional. But from this cast, I'll tell you that was a I coincidence. I think all of that is true. Shane Burton-Shaw, I, you, might, you might be dumb and you might be divorced twice. I'm pretty sure you did not invite a screaming <laughs> hot a metal chick that you dated to sing at your wedding to another person. I'm going to throw that out there as a guess, but let's go. And Kim Hansen, yes, all of your exes showed up at your wedding, but did they sing a love song to your... Did they look like Scarlett Johansson Mystic with a Lion. mohawk? No. I don't think they did. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So I love that question, though. Oh, let's see. Um... <clears throat> I can't get John Legend. As your ex-boyfriend out of my head. I think that's great. All yeah. right, here we go. Um, let's see. Let's take a easy one. Uh, right. Stephen uh, Travis, I think. Um, he's in the chat room. I know this. He says he has two questions. The second one is super fun, and we're totally doing it. It's a rapid fire one. But the first one is: Are there special lines of color? Are the special lines of color new to Quentin, or were they always there? It seemed like the slow motion ability was always there, mm -hmm. but the color lines only appeared after meeting the Prawat. At least I think so. Uh, okay, since we're in spoiler land. Um, there are some things I cannot tell you at this time that will become apparent as the series finishes, but uh, in, in in a in a certain manner of speaking, they have always been there. Uh, just to just to take that off your plate, there was no triggering event with the Prowat that made those lines appear. The Prowat are not part of the lines of power. Uh, Robin, I am not denying that John Legend is my ex, but I've only dated five people in my all these years and still not going to not not deny that. But it's probably not true. Uh, OK, the fight, the, the super quick uh, rapid fire. OK, let's go. Let's fight matchups by Stephen or asked by Stephen Travis. Number one, Brian Clouser versus Joe Ledger. Brian Clouser versus Joe Ledger. Uh, that's a push, man. That's a toss-up. Yeah, Joe Ledger. Joe Ledger is a seriously bad, highly trained motherfucker. Brian Clouser is genetically gifted and has speed and strength and and senses and instincts that Joe Ledger can't have as a regular dude. So I think that I think that is you know if they fight if they have three pay per views, it's going to be one and one and probably a draw on the third one. And I will tell you guys ahead of time, these are all Ledger versus Sigler, or okay. Mayberry versus Sigler related. Uh, Emma versus Ghost. Oh, Ghost. <laughs> oh, Ghost. Yeah. Emma is gorgeous, and yeah, Ghost is a killer. Emma's, <laughs> Come on. Emma's sort of a cuddly that can sniff out killers. Ghost is a killer. Ghost all the way. Okay, number three, Joe and Ghost versus oh, We're talking Brian about a Jonathan, May Jonathan Mayberry series, the Joe Ledger series, in case you guys don't know, if you haven't read it. Go get book one. Do oh, it. Go get book Do it one. right now. Do it right now. If you don't like it, I'll pay for it. Good. Me too. <laughs> well, you can read the first two and still hate it. Last one. Yeah. Oh, no. This Joe and Ghost versus Brian and Emma. Oh, Joe and Ghost versus Brian and Emma? I still think that is in a, I think out of five, out of five falls, I think that's going to be three to two for, for Ghost yeah. and, and Ledger. I think Brian, Brian, 
Brian is in a straight up physical brawl, probably going to win more often than not 100%. because of what he, he's, he is a superhero. That is a, that is my, if superheroes are real street level shit going on. But, um, when yeah, you ledger and ghost also, Brian can't hit dogs, man. He can't do it. Can't bring himself to and do it. And not only that, so Ghost is quite literally a trained killing dog. And Emma is a house pet. And I adore Emma. Don't get me wrong, but she's a house pet. So there's no chance. Last one. This is the my most interesting one uh, to me. Aunt Sally from the Joe Ledger series versus Hillary from Nocturnal. Hillary from Nocturnal. Well, well we got to figure out what phase. Uh, oh, I just—that was a spoiler. Shit. Um, uh, what? What? Well, we'll go and say it. what phase of Hillary's life. Hillary's not really. She's got some of the Zed chromosome, speed, strength, healing ability, um, bloodthirstiness, all of that stuff. That's all there. But she is uh, to put it to put it unlikely. She is a breeding queen. She is not a combat oriented queen. She's not the xenomorph aliens queen. She's like more like a termite queen. And termite queens are not really they're not brawlers. So there you go. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. But that I loved that question. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> okay, good. So here's the thing: we almost always go to ninety minutes. Uh, we have not discussed this beforehand. How do you feel about this? We normally Going do 90 two minutes? ninety minutes. I'm I'm in. Also, these people are such, you know, uh, they're butter over sugar. Should we show them the, this? Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. So we're going to do two things. First things first, we're going to show you a video question from one of our great good friends who we met when we went to Europe on the 2017 book okay. tour. And after that, if you stick around for that question and answer, we're going to show you something uh, special that does not exist. R- Ryan Winkleman, you're talking about, um, sorry, let me get the chat room up. You're talking about Killian's ability with the lines of power, I believe. Mm-hmm. And Radimus has promised a book bonus at the end of GFL. How will it compare to Brian Clauser walking from a nocturnal dream, waking from a nocturnal? It'll be, a bit, it'll be more girthy, more turgid boner. I, I, it will probably be, frankly, let's talk about boners. This will be, this will be the most painful, swollen book boner that you've ever had in your entire life. And I will, I will stake my reputation on that. Your book underwear will never fit the same again. That is what we're talking about. <laughs> I've been working on this shit for 25 years. I guarantee, I guarantee you, your stretched out underwear from your giant book boner are going to go up on your wall on a frame. And when people come over, they're going to be like, uh, why do you have underwear on the wall? You're like, underpants? And you'll hand them the rookie and go, read this. <laughs> And you will eventually understand. Stephen Travis, I have read all of the Joe Ledger books as they came out. I love Jonathan Mayberry. And yet I also binged all of those books this year because they feel good to me because they sort of know what's going to happen. So first things first, we're going to have a video question if we can get this done from Uh, Boz. Bear with me, guys. We'll, we'll, We'll try and get the sound dialed in. This is Boz. And, uh, Boz, I did cut up Boz, um... He's a liar. He says, I asked for a horizontal video. I did not. I said vertical nonstop. I guarantee it. Go find the cut. But we're going to hear what this man has to say. He's a delightful dude. Let me make sure I got the volume on. Baby, can you just kind of monitor this if it's too quiet? Sure. Hello, wonderful. Perfect. Um, That's his echo number. A bit confused. Because up until last week, you said you wanted vertical video syndrome. And then on last week's syndrome place, you said landscape. So you're getting landscape. This isn't good enough, and I'm going to have to cut shameless, shameless self-promotion. 
and make this vertical for you. So let me know. So Q&A. Uh, first, the gangster. Um, no bothers about the book. When I get it, I get it. I'm happy. I just I put it with the collection. It's nice. fine. It's fine. As long as you sign it. Because apparently this is supposed to have a signature. <laughs> hasn't got one it's good looking jersey sir is, that means I have to come and see you guys because Scott you've got to sign this you can't wait anywho um, question the gangster um, I tend to always ask a question that about 50 other people ask and this is probably going to be no exception okay but I have to ask where did the name Gibble Jawatz come from mm. I, I love that word it gets stuck in my head like when I was learning Spanish I used to get word of the day and there'd just be a word rattling around my head all day. After I listen to the gangster, which is like, give me one. It's, I know you've got stuff like Bumba Puff and all those funny names, but there has to be an etymology to this word, and I need to know what it is. <laughs> so, uh, love you guys. Love the book. Can't wait for the next one. Uh, I am forever hooked. And uh, as ever. <laughs> force me with I watched the first part of that video. I did not see the lightsaber. I did not see the lightsaber coming. Also good emoji for what we were talking about earlier. Maria, just roll with it. Um, no, that's a completely made up word. There's no etymology. I just kind of throw out syllables to try and come up with the quith language. Uh, I have not gone full Klingon with this. There is not, you know, there is not, um, you cannot take a, a quith language course I am never going to do that. I'm not going to hire an artist to come up with a quith written language as like they did in Hellboy. It's just a few words here and there, a few smatterings here and there. They are consistent through the book, but no, those are completely made up words. So there you go. Uh, is that, I think that answers the question. And Boz, love you. You're awesome. Uh, hopefully we get to see you again someday. It was super fun. Let's go. Okay. Uh, are we right now? You want to show them the thing? Cause it, it'll follow us up nicely after Boz. It's going to be great. Okay. So, uh, bear with me. I am going to have to expand this. We'll also so you're going to have to lean out. I yeah. emailed two of you today specifically about this. This, you guys have been waiting for this for a long time. I'm going to go ahead and show it right now. And this, we, this will be the 20, oh, sorry, the 2687 Krakens. Oops, how do I do that? Don't know. Oh, I guess slide this up. The 2687 Kraken jerseys, ladies and gentlemen. And um, these are the actual football football jerseys, meaning they've got room for shoulder pads. They're just like the ones Boz was wearing. They're not stitched. They will be dye sublimated. So it'll be one smooth surface, which achieves us a... It's a certain economy of scale. We're not going to get into it right now. We'll do an episode on it later. But... But it's also like the McMurdo Murderers jersey, if you have that one. Yeah, it's like the McMurdo Murderers jersey. They're super cool, super neat. We're really looking forward to it. Um, I haven't got one yet and I get the first of everything. You sons of bitches. The other great thing about this motherfucker is this. I got to tell you this. Oh my God. I got two, guys. I got two more things to tell you. And then this, this may make you poop your pants. Just a little, just a little bit, a little poopy in the pants. Here's the away Jersey. And the best part about the away Jersey. I mean, I have to buy two jerseys. Well, you know, at 80 bucks a pop. 85 bucks a pop, not counting shipping, baby. I mean, they're very expensive. We're talking about 160, 170. But wait, 
what if I can go in the back room and talk to my manager and see if I can hook you up with a deal that you can't possibly say no to? And that deal is the home jersey, the away jersey. They are the same jersey. These are absolutely reversible. So you get an away jersey, you get a home jersey for one low, low, low price of $82.95. That's right. Plus, we'll throw in Ron Popeil's Burn Your Skin Popcorn Maker. That's right. Are you tired of having full coverage of your epidermis all across your body? Let Empty Set Entertainment step in and solve that problem for you. We'll burn a good 25% of that right off, and then you can cover it in your reversible jersey, which also doubles as a full FDA-approved bandage for burns. (laughs) (laughs) Nicely done, Buzz. So that is going on, and then we are also working on uh, Nicole. Nicole, drop the holy shirt balls. Mwah, mwah, salt on the elbow. We are um, working on one. (laughs) We are are working on one that is going to be about half the price. And that is a, like a regular shirt. It's a fan jersey. So Mm -hmm. it's a fan. If you guys are familiar with fan jerseys, it doesn't have room for the shoulder pads, a fan jersey. It's a little shorter. It doesn't go all the way down. So it's about roughly half the price. I haven't determined whether those are reversible yet. We will find out. We're working on that. The only difference will be they don't have the three black stripes. Yeah. yeah which, yeah. which, which, do you know what the three black stripes are for? I don't. Yeah. Players killed on the field? No, 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 no. Uh, 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 titles one? Team, city, planet. That's what they're for, for INF. Team comes first, city comes second, planet comes third, oh, but all three are super important. I don't know. Probably um, dropped a big elbow on me and killed me. I don't know. We have a LinkedIn user. Somebody is actually watching the stream from LinkedIn, Hello. showing up as LinkedIn Hi, user Hi, who Danny. also who Hi, also Danny. caught the <laughs> reference and says, "Be excellent." And you guys, wow, you guys you are know, so great. My God, Westside. If yep. you know me, you know I'm a huge Bill and Ted's fan. <laughs> on Keanu's birthday, we watched. Uh, uh, what is it? The music. Oh, Bill and Ted's face the music. Delightful and horrible all at the <laughs> so same time. Insane. All at the same so time. So cute, though. So cute. Uh, we won't talk much about it. We should do a, a story smack on it later or something. It was so heartwarming and fluffing up of the soul to see those two those guys, two things, yeah. to see all the references to the original one, all the, the fun stuff they put in to celebrate what what a, a a lasting testament that movie has been to that that time in American history. And at the same time, what a goddamn train wreck. It was just like, holy cats. And then I admit I did this. I'm like, oh, geez, I'm embarrassed by this, ladies and gentlemen. But I'll say it to you. I said, man, this is I mean, you take you take a thing like Bill and Ted and then you give it to some bullshit screenwriters that you want somebody who actually knows the source material. Like, and then, and then we get to the end. See the screenwriters? Who are these guys? Look them up. They're the original screenwriters. <laughs> they it's fucking, so good. They fucking wrote Bill and Ted. Uh, I got Bob, a, so good to see I got a pie of, of hubris smashed right into my very knowledgeable, so I thought, face. It was very embarrassing. I'm still we have 67,000 questions right, to go, go through, so we're going to move through these a little quick. Uh, again, this rock, rock, one rock. and next week are, are going to be 90 minutes long, because we always do 90-minute Q&As. Um, Michael Pietro, MD, asks several questions. The Go. first, oh, sorry, Michael Procopio. Michael, oh, uh, Procopio, uh, yeah. yeah. He's been uh, around forever did, in a day. Yeah, for sure. 
We will ask uh, the doctor's question in a moment. Uh, Michael Procopio asked several questions. One, did the Audible exclusive experiment work, and should we expect more Audible exclusives? Uh, Audible exclusive experiment for Mount Fitzroy. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, instead of putting a book out and gradually collecting money for that book, this was like, here's some money. Now we're going to put the book out. Um, I don't know. The, our goal with Mount Fitzroy was literally, if we do this, we'll sell more copies of Earth Core, because Earth Core is our big bread and butter. Uh, mm. And so I think it, 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 I'm not sure whether it worked or didn't work, but we're definitely going to do it again without question, because we've got to put more data into the system to see how well this works. And I'll add from my point of view, which is different than Scott's, uh, so far the experiment is going fine. There's not a lot of data to collect right now, because um, we don't we don't have access to all that information like we have access to our own information. Mm -hmm. So we have to gather over time. What I will say is this in the pandemic, you guys have seen it yourself. You Mm. know that it was way easier to get Mount Fitzroy than it was to get the gangster. You watched it happen. I'm still trying to get you the hardcover book for the gangster. So yes, in one way in this world, getting you entertainment to keep you, sane, if this is your choice, is a very good thing. And that was very helpful. We got totally lucky with that. That We didn't know there was going to be a pandemic, no matter what Scott is about. Short answer, A and I are actively <laughs> trying to get out of the printing book business and send that off to other people to print the books so that we spend more time in the writing of the books business. That is what we are working on. It may take a while, but that's yeah, what we're for. Yeah, sure, for Next sure. Next question, baby. So let's see. Uh, he also asked... Uh, what is the director of Doom reading? The FDO reading is always in his newsletter, and I want to know. I will say I I am not a good source for this. I reread things I love, and then I try things that won't matter to me. Uh, so I read essentially what we would maybe call beach reads a lot, um, just to keep me busy during the day. And those are all like girl does good, wins, fails, wins, eventually wins. Something like that. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you, I crazy love several series. I love, um, as I mentioned, I love Jonathan Mayberry's uh, Joe Ledger series. Mm -hmm. I love, love, love um, Richard Cadry's Sandman Slim series. Uh, I absolutely love Kevin Hearn's um, Iron Druid Druid series. Mm -hmm. And I just recently, just like Scott did, which was in his recommendations, uh, read The Power by mm. Naomi Wildman, I think. No, like you look, you talk, I'll look it up. Yeah, so I read, I like series, I, I also have read the Dresden series, and I, I like Naomi, it. Naomi I, Alderman. No, Naomi Alderman. I like it, I don't love it, there's some flaws with that one, but I still have enjoyed it and read every one, but I just, uh, the Sandman Slim, the last book in the Sandman Slim series just got published last Tuesday, and I love that series so much. And Richard Cadry has told us that this is the last book that I can't start it because I need to be in a good frame of mind since it's since it's about to it's be treasure. over. It becomes a treasure. It's a treasure to me, even though all of those series are flawed, just like every book. You know, there's a thing that you might not resonate with, but those are the ones I love. I read a huge amount of nonfiction, but it's very specific to me. So I'm not going to talk about that. But mm. if you haven't read Joe Ledger, if you haven't read Sandman Slim, and if you haven't read the Iron Druid series, and you like Scott's books, I would start there. I also loved um, The Armored Saint and that uh, duology Mike from Mike Cole. I loved it, loved it. And I, I love uh, uh, Weston Oaks. I love Peter Klein's. Uh, mm-hmm. I love... Um, 
I love Paradise or Paradox Bound. I, I it's so in and out, but it's fun. Uh, on pre-order for me, Helldivers Eight by Nicholas Sansbury Smith and the new Joe Abercrombie book, which is uh, Joe Aber- the new Joe Abercrombie book is how I reward myself for all my hard work. When I get Joe Abercrombie in, that's fuck all y'all. I'm gonna sit back and enjoy this shit. Dude's a master. Next question. And in print. He buys those books in print. He loves them so much. So that's a great recommendation. I will say Michael Procopio ended with um, totally fine with audio only. I have all the signed books, but I'd audible only. I have all the signed books, but I don't read them. I only listen. Thank goodness. Almost everything eventually comes out on audio. And please keep what the FDO is reading coming in the newsletter. I really appreciate it. So I'll say we... Uh, love the idea of Audible only um, in general, but we also want to make sure we're always striving to have the ability to eventually give everybody the method that they want to read. So we're going to try and do that, too. I don't know how much luck we'll have with that so far with Fitzroy. You can buy Fitzroy as an ebook or a print book on December 3rd of this year. Um, and I don't know if we'll always be able to do that, but we were able to just delay the release of the mm-hmm. other versions by a year. And that is wonderful because everybody gets what they want. Okay. Next question. Um, when will we, uh, Michael Pietro MD says, when will we see the crypt? Okay. So, um, very soon in, at least in Scott years, I will say that we, we are in negotiations now for a book that we didn't expect we might be able to be writing. We are also at a point in our career and our company where uh, we, we are now far more empowered to say, no, thank you. That does not work for us. So um, if, if this deal comes, comes through and it doesn't look like it will, uh, I'll be honest, that will push the crypt out another eight to 10 months because this book, if I get to write it, it will be friggin' awesome. I love the subject matter. I can't say anything else about it. Had to sign an NDA. What, what? So we'll see how that goes. Um, but if that does not happen, I am now uh, 57% done with the second draft of GFL Book 7. We, I believe I will, I had hoped to be done by the end of September with the second draft, but we also have to ship 2,000 books real soon, which I have to sign every goddamn one of them. You <laughs> people. You peep. You people. And by which I mean you people. So, <laughs> so that will chew up at least a full week of our time, 14 hour days, at least a week shot, probably more like 10, 14 hour days all in a row. And so the odds of me getting it done by the end of September are not looking good. But as soon as GFL seven second draft is done, that goes off to big John Viscar, the continuities are. And then I will write the first draft of the crypt book one. And I can't friggin' wait. I'm, you guys, a lot of you are not going to like it. It's, it's, there's some metaphysical shit going on. There's some awful, awful people doing awful things to other awful people. So, uh, you know, like the GFL sort of has a kind of happy sheen on it. That shit's gone in the Crip Sun. It's straight, straight gangster horror. It's going to be awesome. So Ryan Winkleman 7 does not have a name you can hear quite yet. We absolutely need to ship the gangster before we talk about another book. And that is coming in the next few weeks. So that's good. I will also ask this question because it relates from Joseph Aldred. Joseph Aldred has been a a friend and a fan forever. And he asks a couple of great questions. So I'll ask. I'm 
curious about your second draft process. You keep telling us word count on social media. However, what does that mean? I know it is tracking your place in the story, but what are you doing when you sit down to work each day? What are you doing when you add more words? Are we talking sentence by sentence recrafting? Are we looking at the elements of contents of a paragraph and rewriting it to ensure a clear picture as soon as possible? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I had an art teacher in high school who told me every time I draw a picture, it will get better. Is that your version of a second draft? Okay. This will chew up a little bit of time. Sorry about that. We're trying to get through these, but that's a, that's a no, good question. Good. Yeah. So first thing that happens in a Sigler verse novel is the outline. And the outline usually goes through about three revisions. So I'll do an outline, send that to Big John. Big John will print out the outline, y- urinate on it, probably sacrifice a squirrel, smear blood on it with the words, this dumb, this dumb. And that's all over the whole thing. Then he hires someone to send that back to me, this blood-soaked, urine-soaked outline, and I get it, and I feel shame. And then I go through, and I look at uh, John's comments on that outline, and then I write another outline. Because usually it's, I, I, I am the visionary, I know where the series is going, but there are certain facets of it that I have uh, snow blindness to because I'm just so deep into it. And John's very adept at being surface level, seeing not only seeing my picture, but seeing what you guys see and what he sees as a fan too. So then we rework the outline. And then that outline will go to the secret agents as needed. So if there is, you know, ship to ship military combat, that's going to go to Chris Grawl. Like I need need an aircraft that will do this in atmosphere. That's going to go to J.P. Harvey. And also goes back to Big John Vizcarra. We beat up the outline. We dive right in. Then we write the first draft. And the first draft is a clown car shit show that (laughs) everybody thought they bought the latest model of a Tesla. They drive it off the lot. Turns out it's a clown car shit show with hobos having sex in the backseat. It's a goddamn disaster. I don't know how else to describe it. When you actually write the first draft and then you get through it and read it, get some space from it, come back to it. You like Steve Ricky Berg will probably type in the comments exactly what I'm thinking. (laughs) Every second I go through a first draft and then I get to see the notes and the notes for GFL seven are coming from JC Hutchins, who was one of the editors, big John Viscara. There's a few notes from a, but JC Hutchins, big John kind of did a, you know, a, a tag team drop off the big elbow at the top. There was no room left to poo on everything. So uh, go through that. So the second draft is largely going through. Reggie <laughs> Berg dropped it in the, Steve, in the Steve's who the in fuck wrote Steve's this in the shit? chat room. Who the fuck wrote this shit? <laughs> that is the most common phrase in the world of Siglerverse. I want it to be as I want it to be perfect for you guys. It'll never be perfect. So I want it to be as close to perfect as possible. Because I'll never you the time you give me, that's gone forever. And we take that shit super, super seriously. So then we'll go the second draft is largely um now I have gotten farther on GFL book eight in my head, the crypt. I have all the tie-ins. So as I go through, I'm like, okay, well, now I need this to happen, which wasn't in the second draft. So now I have to have this happen. So it ties into book eight. And then we go through all of the comments from everybody. And then there's an enormous amount of texting with John Vizcarra, Mm -hmm. who's a huge part of what goes on. And a lot of like random questions. What if I did this? What if I did this? And usually John doesn't come back with an answer, but John will be like, okay, well, what about this? And a lot of times John's prompt will be like, oh, 
no, but there's this. So he's sort of, he's like the catalyst to make a lot of the plot points work. So the second draft is rewriting all the stuff, adding in all the new chapters, having a more solidified master vision of where the book needs to end. And, and then going forward from there. So it's, it's rewriting every sentence, every paragraph, adding new scenes, deleting scenes, which I hate and, uh, and polishing it up. And I will add one other thing as the creative adjacent here uh, for you, Joseph, because I know you are a writer too. So one of the things that happens is at this point in these, I know, right? (laughs) In these drafts, what's happening is he's gotten the story locked in and he just has to make it what we call street legal. He has to make it work. It has to work in his world for his readers. It has to make sense. Mm. So we just at the top of this hour, we talked about did Darth Maul have makeup on? Is that how his skin is? We're talking about the character, not the actor. How is that? Is that a red man thing? Is that's just how he's born? Whatever. Those things are the things that Scott is is literally picking apart right now. Okay, so if this is just how he's born, how does he get those straight lines? Like, that's not how, there's nothing in my person that is that symmetrical. How do we make that happen? If it's not how he's born, how does he get it? How does it stay? How does it grow with his skin? All of those things. He picks apart all that little shit. Um, Sorry, Richard Allen, all that little shit. And uh, makes it work so that if he were a reader, it would work for him. I'm not going to lie to you guys. To me. Very important to me. Half the time, I'm like, this is fine. And he's like, no, it doesn't make sense. Because there are some of you out there who are weapons experts. Some of you out there who are medical experts. Some of you out there who are uh, birthing experts or, or, or mom experts or something. And he wants all of those things to resonate with all of you guys in the same way that me, who doesn't care about all that stuff, I'm like, oh, I'm fine with it. He wants you guys to be fine with it, too. So sometimes it takes a long time. And we often find that the second the, the second to last draft, this one that he's going through, sometimes that second, sometimes that third draft depends. That's the one where it, like, it can expand or contract by, like, you know, somewhere between 20 and 50,000 words. Usually, usually <laughs> second draft usually increases the book by 50, 50%. Usually it's about 50%. Yeah, Third draft sure. is the polished draft. That's where we go and we start to be like, you could work this sentence better, but the sentence still says the same thing. So next question. Okay. Jesse Sharrow, who you guys know is the captain of the San Francisco Police Department, but yeah. he's actually a human being too. Yeah. Uh, where is Pope Siglericus the 30th? Where is General Siglerismo? Did you kill them? I have been waiting to see the plaid tanks in this timeline. I, I know what you did, Scott, and I'm watching you. I would never kill my cousins. I love my cousins as troubled as they can be, as problematic as they can be. I am not going to murder my own family. My cousins are great. Pope Siglericus right now has received a communique from the Catholic Church, which has, by and large, I will summarize it, which it says, maybe you need to lay low for a while. Maybe you need to find some people to hang out with. Stay out of sight. That's all I will say about Pope Siglericus. <laughs> As for General uh, Elfontaine Siglerissimo. Elfontaine. Elfontaine Siglerissimo. <laughs> there are more tropical islands than you are aware of, and he's doing just fine on his tropical island where he is the grand supreme ruler and leader of the church of that island. He's doing fine. 
of course, uh, is it uh, Harry Balls? Cousin Harry Balls? Uh, From no, mom's um, side. Yeah. Um, sw- Randy Balls. Randy Balls. <laughs> See, I don't know my cousin. Randy Balls doing I mean, great. From your mom's side. Randy Balls is very, very butthurt. He didn't get the Jeopardy gig. Very butthurt. He thought he had Many. it. He thought he had People. it wrapped up. It was going to be, then it was going to become Randy Jeopardy. It was going to be a whole different thing. And then, of course, there is Mr. Merciless, who is the lead singer for the metal band Super Weapon. He is flourishing. Merciless is absolutely flourishing. He looks dynamic. If you've not been to superweaponband.com and seen the video for his song Battle Cry, you are absolutely missing out. Also, stay tuned to Facebook. He apparently is going to be on a podcast tomorrow for the first time ever as the lead singer of Super Weapon. I will share that at facebook.com slash Scott Sigler. That is hosted by Jack Mangan, which is a name the you old school podcast yeah, novelist listeners might appreciate. But there's going to be a then. lot of metal. Yeah. And oh my God, the stuff that comes out of Mr. Merciless's mouth is just atrocious. No association with Empty Set Entertainment LLC <laughs> whatsoever. Blood relative does not mean we endorse his views. Let's go. So we got a couple. We only have not. Steve Rickenberg, did you just drop the super weapon link? Oh my God. If you guys watch the super weapon link, my cousin has come said, on, come on, please subscribe because they're, <laughs> this is squad goals. Very small. Super weapon is trying to get to 100 subscribers so they can rename their URL. YouTube.com slash super weapon. They're at 87 right now. They need to get to a hundred. We'll go from there. Get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. <laughs> Kurt, Kurt, come on. <laughs> you guys listening at home after the fact in the podcast feed, we got a chat room, which is full of very funny motherfuckers. And uh, you guys should be joining us every Wednesday at 6 mm-hmm. p.m. Pacific time, 9 p.m. Eastern. A and I get up here and we do we do the shuffle dance for you all day long, trying to entertain your faces. Yeah. So at twitch.tv slash Scott Sigler, youtube.com slash Scott Sigler, facebook.com slash Scott Sigler, and also LinkedIn, but who can pronounce that URL? Twitch.tv slash Scott Sigler. what I say? It's dot com. Twitch.tv slash Scott Sigler. All right, let's go. So we have a couple of short questions left, and then we're just going to hang out in the chat room a little bit with you guys, because it's already 723. We're only doing 90 minutes-ish. So these are the short questions. Uh, Mick Stallings. Oh, hi, tiny girl. Mitch Stallings asks, share something that your readers wouldn't know about you. Um, I think Bring It On is one of the best sports movies ever. I can't believe how fucking fantastic that I love, was. I love Bring It On. It is literally up there with the replacements. It is up there with the Bad News Bears. Because when I watched it, I was such a dick. Real, this only takes. I'm like, oh right, I wrestled, bro. I boxed, bro. I broke ribs. I broke a fucking thumb. I played football and had multiple concussions and would probably be a rocket scientist playing football, bro. I've done the combat sports, bro. Yeah, I'll watch your goddamn cheerleader movie. Bring God it down on. With bring it on. I'm like, magnifique, <laughs> magnifique. I. Didn't know he was going to say that. I thought he was going to say something about foods he likes or spiders, which Bring you already on. know. Bring it on, motherfuckers. That's Let's so go. Fantastic. Let's go. Top That's to bottom. So top to bottom. Brilliant movie. Love it. <laughs> Brandy Jones asked you, which character in one of your own books are you least likely Ooh. to get along with? Ooh, least? Okay. 
Because the answer is always like, which one of your characters do you want to be? Pookie Chang, done. Moving on. Which am I least likely to get along with? You got to think about it. Instinctively, while he thinks, I will tell you my non-existent answer because I didn't write a book. But when I read that question, the thing I thought was like, uh, Magnus, I think, because that motherfucker is crazy. I like him. I like him. But I thought instantly, like, no, he's not choosing him. He's literally choosing some Karen somewhere, I think. You, you, or know, something. you know what I'm going to choose? You know what I'm going to choose? Stop your grin and drop your linen. This will surprise you all. Quentin Barnes and the Rookie. What? I have met that dude. What? I have hung out with that dude. I went to school with that dude in high school and college. I will tell you what. The first half of the Rookie is I have met that dude more times than I can count. You know what? I don't like that dude. I don't like that dude That's at a- all. Freaking fantastic answer. Giant, very physically powerful, very talented, gifted dude who also is an extremely hard worker, which you always have to respect, but he's a fucking jackass and mm. he's just a dick. And the only reason he gets away with being a dick is because he can whoop everybody in the room. I don't like that dude. But he's also kind of a numb nuts. And I'm going to argue this point. I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with Iceberg. I don't disagree with James Coleman. I don't disagree with any of you guys saying that he was terrible. But he's also kind, kind, like nobody's ever taken him to task before. Nobody right? could. Yeah, he's of the best. Course, of course, of course he's not. the best at of what he does. Of course not. So what I'm going to say is your answer was so beautiful, the in the rookie. Mm-hmm. Because I literally answered that question, like, why did you write this stupid <laughs> book once a month? And, and I give you guys who are here after 90 minutes, you know this, my answer is always like, Four chapters. Listen to four chapters. If you hate it, I'll send you your money back. I don't care. That's no problem. We got swagger. We'll do it. We'll do that. And nobody, I've never once had to refund. Never once. Never once. Not one time had to refund somebody's money. But a lot of people are mad about Quentin and the rookie. A lot of people. And rightfully so. That's the point. You know what the beautiful thing is? We, we We have called out many fans who love Earthcore, Ancestor, Nocturnal, Infected, Pandemic, Contagious. They love this shit. And then they're like, I hate football. I hate jocks. I just hate it. I want more Sigler. And we're like, Thanks, we're Adam. like, buy the book. Give me the first four chapters. If you don't like it, we'll just give you your money back because we have giant, we'll invisible, right. giant, oh, this giant, invisible. We, here's our swagger. Flip it up over her shoulder, walk around have with a it. Penis. Yeah, this is our giant, our giant girly penis. Uh, this is why I don't have imposter syndrome. You want to see my writing? Here it is. Boop, <laughs> and then I walk around with it up on my shoulder. And every person we do that to will send me an email after chapter one, after chapter two, going like, "Why are you making me read this? This guy's an asshole." Or like, "That's all right. You know the bad. Get to chapter four, and now one time." Not one time have we had to give them money back. Not one time. In 13 years. Yeah. I, I just put up four fingers. But okay. in 13 years. Uh, I have one more question. Wait, real quick. James James Coleman, which franchise? Oh, other than Aliens, zero. Don't want to write any franchises. I got what I wanted. I got my trophy. I'm good. That's a beautiful question because we've answered this question like Thank probably Thank you, Adam Dennis. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. <laughs> uh, internally. And the answer is none. The answer I, is none. That's he all I ever to wanted to do. Aliens canon. That's yep. literally... You know, I think if the uh, if the King Kong franchise had endured, 
had that still been as they'd relevant to throw, today? They'd have to throw a lot of money at me. We because the stuff you, she and I were. Oh, did I interrupt? Sorry. No, but that's fine. The stuff the stuff A and I are working on right now that I am passionate about, not just because I think it'll be because I know you guys will read it five fucking times. I know this. It's in my head. I, it's so simple. To get me to go away from that, show up with a truck of money. I'll write any, I can write anything. I'll write anything you want. It takes a truck of money because I would rather write the stuff that I know you guys will fucking love. And I will say we have been approached with at least four other franchises that every single one of you in this chat room are familiar with. Oh, shit, Adam That Dennis. he's turned down. Nope, you can't. Uh, we're going to do that, uh, Flintstone, unless you can answer it quickly. Uh, uh, Adam, I never thought of that. That changes the game. Continue. Adam, come back next week. We'll answer that Never question. thought of that one time. Our last question for tonight, and please come back next Wednesday. We're going to do the second half of the Q&A. If you have questions, please email them. If you have time to readjust your schedule for 90 minutes, do that too. So the last question is from Peter Gibson. How do you celebrate when you finish a book? Oh, uh, well, mm, 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 mm. I believe I can summarize this. I wish I had some porn music to cue up. I gave you the right stuff by the new kids on the block. It's not porn music. That is... Let me see. Brown, chicka, brown, brown, okay. Brown, chicka, brown. Okay. Wait, let's take a quick side note. Very square, Maybe. you guys. <laughs> Would you like a quick lesson on how to add porn music? Yes. Ready? Brown chicka brown no, cow. No, no, no. That, okay, that's the funny part. You want to be serious. You want to be serious about your porn music. First of all, you got to close the mic like this, right? So you you barely need to vo- you barely need to vocalize at all for the audible to come out, right? And then you'd be like this. So do that. Lower the volume. No, no chicka wah wah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Now bring the volume down. Bring the volume down. You oh, wanna, let me you try it one more a, time. Hey, mm. See now I'm turned on. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> let me try my way. Sorry, that's that, I didn't see I'm that like coming. This. I didn't see that coming. Mm. No. Chicka wow wow. <laughs> I can't help it. Right. I gotta do it. We'll work on <laughs> a having we'll work on me being sexy. Music. The finishing of a book. It involves a few things. Number one, when we hit the final stages of a vote of a book, the the vinegar strokes of a book, if you will. There's so much that needs to be done to call a book finished, and that is the writing, cover, the marketing. There's all these things. Even when you have a partner who's doing that that side of the work, you still there's so much where you your name is on the cover. Shit has to be right. It's got to be fucking right, Sean. P. Diddy Combs is absolutely right. It, it has to be right if your name is on it. So there's this, such a huge level of stress that goes into the final stages of a book, the vinegar strokes of a book, if you will. And then there's, of course, also the amount of time that takes. So to me, when you actually finish a book, you have taken time away from your family, which is A and my pups. You've taken time away from your family to be completely focused on 87 tasks for probably two. It's about a two week period to finish a book, get all the stuff done till it's completely out of your hands. So what you do in my world is get a bottle of champagne and you celebrate with the ones you love. So I celebrate, I get champagne and I get champagne. We hang out on the couch and do goddamn nothing. The dogs get 
What do they get? What is their toy? Champagne. They get champagne. And Mama Chewitt's wine, since Reese is Jewish. We are so square. We have two dog toys that only come out at the end of a book. We'll show you next week. They only come out at a bookend. And we pull them out, and then it's me and A on the couch, champagne, champagne, some candles, some pups, no TV, and we sort of just sit there. It's like the end of a Sigler Fest, and we just like go... That's it. We just stare off into the into the far distance and do nothing. That is how I celebrate the end of a book. And once more again, and I know we're super late and then we'll sign off, but once more again, I will say any single one of you who is a writer here in this chat room right now or watching this later or listening to this on the podcast, make sure you celebrate the win. Mm. Because here's the thing. Uh, the gangster has been done literally for almost three years. And that was the work that got us here. That was the work that got us you guys. That was the work that got us this story. That was the work. It got done. Is the project finished? No. Is it worthy celebrating that he finished his part? A hundred percent. Because there's going to be a lifetime of adjusting that or changing the cover or fixing typos or whatever. And you must Good night, Nelson. celebrate the beautiful thing you did because that's the one chance you get when yeah. it's beautiful before you show it to everybody. And they're like, why didn't you choose a red cover? The world of writing is largely a world of uh, stress, hatred, anger, and excitement. All these things going on. And there, if you if you write twenty novels in your life, which is a lot of novels, and say you live to be seventy, that's twenty days, twenty days where you have to give yourself permission to be like, you know what, I'm chilling the fuck out. I'm gonna get high. I'm gonna get drunk. I'm gonna hang out with this beautiful redhead. I'm gonna we pet my pups too. and just cush out on the couch and be done. Because as soon as that's done, is all the next the next story you got to write is waiting for you the next day. At yeah. most. A is maybe occasionally you need to take a week off and play video games. It's very hard to do. Done that a couple of times. Literally in the empty set uh, rule book. He has to take two weeks off if he finishes a novel that's bigger than 150,000 words. Cheers, and you guys Tracy. all know all right. everything is 150,000 words or more. I have no idea how many questions we got through because we, the Siglers are a wordy pair of motherfuckers for sure. We do words. It's what we do. We know words. We shill words. We sling words. Baby, let's finish this. Uh, we, and we're past. Wow, an hour and a half. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Thank you, you guys, uh, normally, so if you are listening to the podcast, we are done. Please come back next week for part two. We have another 90 minutes of questions specifically about the gangster or the Siglerverse. Spoilers abound. Please come join us. It'll be in your feed a week from this coming Sunday. It'll all be great. And then we'll move on to the Stone Wolves. If you are here with us, you know how we end every Sigler in place. And it's mm -hmm. always the same. <laughs> I have to actually call it up now. <laughs> it's been a year and a half, girl. You gotta look it up. I know. I mean, it's, I don't know the order. Do you know the order? I know the order. If you have questions about the world of the Siglerverse, you can send those to info at EmptySet.com. Until next week. We want you all to stay safe. We want you to stay science, you guys. We're no, so we want close. you to stay smart. We want you to stay smart. We want you to so stay close. science. And for the love of science, shit, I we forgot. We need you to stay informed. <laughs> we need you, guys. you to stay informed. We have warned you from square one 
From square one, this shit ain't done. The moo moo is on the horizon. Pay attention. The moo moo is looking oh, to smack you in the privates. Mr. Tracy Shank just said also. Y'all stay single. You sexy motherfucker. You sexy motherfucker. Oh my goodness. <laughs> You can we'll tell, you can tell, you can tell Richard didn't show up today. We're like, we get to swear and stuff. I know. But that is all the business. We'll be back next week. We'll do one more Q&A. I will try and do a better job of not quite being quite so verbose so we can get through all of your questions. If we miss your questions in the chat room, we apologize. Just email those to info at mbsat.com. We will get to them next week. And not this week, not next week, but the week after, we begin the magnum opus of over-the-top endings of a book that you have ever read in your goddamn life. No one in the history of fiction or literature has accomplished what I accomplished at the end of the Stone Wolves. And I will tease you this. I will tease you this, you son of a bitch. Brown chicken, brown cow. As impressive as the end of the Stone Wolves is. It's impressive. Don't get me wrong. The world champion. The world champion of book endings will be GFL 8 you jabroni you don't even know what's coming for you it'll smack you about the face of the midriff and when you finish you will stop reading for the rest of your miscreant life because you no longer care because you have been serviced to a point you can never be serviced again I will ruin you baby take us out nobody mentioned being serviced (laughs) We love you. We'll see you next week. This is going to be in the podcast feed on Sunday. (laughs) Send in your questions. And, uh, you know, until next week. I love you all. You're all fabulous. Let's wait. I got to wait. Right. We're going to. Oh, we're going to do it. Wait. Oh, yeah. Let's switch switch back. This is called. This is called Scott Cam. This is Scott Cam. If you'll notice, we're on a cam all the goddamn time because that's the moneymaker. Ready, baby? Kiss you up, Scott. You have been listening to The Gangster, book six in the Galactic Football League series, written and narrated by Scott Ziegler. Follow Scott on Instagram and Twitter, where he is at Scott Ziegler, one word, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Scott Ziegler. For more information on the Galactic Football League series and for more free audiobook podcasts, visit scottziegler.com. The Gangster was directed by A. Sigler, engineered by Steve Rickyberg. Copyright 2020, Empty Set Entertainment. Theme music is the song They're Watching Me by the band Super Weapon. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwein, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwein, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.